Hey, Ty Brady here with Brady Insurance Marketing in the Ty Brady Way, one of the nation's largest field marketing organizations that helps independent agents achieve a six and seven figure income with the systems and strategies that I'm going to talk about with you today. Welcome back to another episode of the Ty Brady Way. And today I have Mike Anderson. We've got, I've got to know Mike through, uh, you know, actually kids sports and then found out a little bit about his story. And I'm like, man, he's got a great story and a lot of uh, great things that people can hear. And he needs to tell them, not me. So uh, Mike, tell me a little about yourself and, and where you're at today. And we'll uh, go from there. Sure. Hey, I'm born and raised in Utah. Um, I'm an attorney out of Utah. Yeah. Um, spent my entire, my entire life here. Um, my real story is that I always wanted to be certain things and tried on a bunch of different hats and yeah. found my way into attorney life. And, um, yeah, that story into an attorney, let's start there. Cause I remember you telling me you didn't, didn't you tell me go something like this. You weren't planning on being an attorney, but you said, if I got a certain score on the test, you would pursue it or something. What is that? I'm, I'm, that's, yeah. I just remember a little bit about it. Right. So, yeah. so the actual story is, is that, um, I planned on being a doctor. I'd gone to, to school for you know, all the undergrad pre-med stuff, um, did pretty well in the MCAT, got excited about that. Um, had gotten done all of our applications to medical school, was ready to essentially leave. And, um, during that time I'd met with a doctor at IMC. Okay. Evenings we were sitting there, um, Christmas Eve, actually, I think 2000, like 2009 ish. Right. And so on Christmas Eve, I'm sitting there the night before Christmas Eve and the doctor comes over and we're sitting there, he's talking, he's a younger guy. And just starts crying. And I say, well, why, why are you crying? And he's like, well, I don't get to see my kids for like the next two years on Christmas day. And I thought to myself, okay, okay, okay. This isn't the life for me. Right. This is a doctor telling you this. Oh yeah. This is wow. a doctor. He's in tears and like, just kind of everything was fine. And then all of a sudden he broke down. Right. Um, in that moment I was like, all right, okay. If this is the life I'm going to go through, I want to make sure that I'm making the right decision. Um, and immediately I called my wife and I'm like, I don't know if I want to go anywhere. And she said, well, okay, so what do you want to do? And wow. Yeah. We had no idea what we'd do at that point. Everything had now been thrown in the air. And the decision was I'd had a good friend that told me that um, I was kind of required to get higher education. That's kind of the 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 thing that I needed to do. So I- my Your mentor wife, saying, you just got to get an education. Absolutely. Okay. Right. So I'd, I'd already done my, gra my um, undergrad. It was time to figure out whatever my next step is going to be. Um, during that time, uh, I spoke with one of our, I hired a guy to help me sell a portion of a business here. And when he helped me sell a portion of the business, he happened to be an attorney. And I said, oh, you're kind of cool. How do I be you? And he said, go to law school. So immediately we applied and within six months we were in law school. So kind of an opposite direction. Oh my Almost my. immediately. Your, your wife must've been like, well, you know, you get, my wife has always supported me, whatever. It's like, whatever, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm here, you know, we'll make it, whatever. That's amazing. Yeah. And then you, you got to go through law school, right? It's another three years, four years. Yeah. Three years, three years more. The, the dumbest thing was, is that my education, all my education was in, it was, I'd gotten a degree in English um, because I wanted to put myself, I wanted to differentiate myself for med school applications, right? Okay. I'm not good at English. It wasn't my thing, right? <laughs> Like hard sciences, I really enjoyed. So now I am a, a guy who enjoys hard sciences, has an English degree, and has no idea what to do with himself. And that's why law school kind of opened up. I thought wow. maybe I'd do patents. I thought maybe I'd um, just figure out a way to keep running businesses. Um, that's kind of the – I had no idea which direction. But, yeah, she was a well, – she was a trooper. Yeah, yeah. Trigger, right? yeah. 
So you're, what, what's your ideal client when it's an attorney? Like some people specialize, I think in like accident or people with liability, some people in contract law, real estate. What is your bread and butter? What do you like to do? I don't so, even know what that term is when it comes to attorneys. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it kind of went all over the place. Um, I came out of law school thinking that I was doing real estate litigation for my entire life. And so because of that, during law school, I spent um, a lot of time shadowing guys that did multi-million dollar real estate, big fights, everybody screaming at each other, and continued to do that after law school for the first little bit. Um, but it just so happened, I found it was one evening, I hadn't passed the bar yet, so a lot of times people won't um, you know, even interview you unless you've passed the bar. They say, wait until you know, we wanna see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so wait, late at night one night, I thought, well, I need to pick up another job here. Let's see how many of these I can, like part-time work I can do to, to make ends meet. And I found a guy on Craigslist, right? And showed up on Monday, interviewed with him. He gave me the, a job offer the next day, contingent on me passing the bar. An attorney was on Craigslist. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No, honestly, Craigslist. No, like, uh, no I, I have, I've interviewed, or I have hired people off Craigslist. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Sometimes Craigslist for me has turned and I've hired attorneys off of Craigslist a lot now because it's, for me, it's a lot of individuals that are looking for things quickly, right? Okay. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. it's I need somebody, I need somebody that's going to bypass all the formalities and show up here. Let's find an interview and see what we like. If, if truly when you're hiring somebody, you need somebody that you know, like, and trust. Yeah. You need to know them in 10 seconds. You need to like them in 10 minutes and you need to trust them in a half an hour. Yeah. And the only way that I can do that is the fastest way I can get to you for a half an hour of unadulterated time that we get to sit down and chat with each other is the fastest way you're going to have an opportunity. Big firms have the luxury of, of putting their they got headhunters, headhunters and, yeah. and all the rest of that kind of stuff. I need people, when I'm hiring people, I need people that are quick, ready to go, and excited to be a part of things. And that means sometimes diving into... the Craigslist is the DI of jobs. The Desert oh, Industries of awesome. jobs, you know what I mean? So, so, you, so you end up getting a job with a guy, yep. you were saying, and what did he practice? Or so was- he was a general practitioner. What does that mean? Uh, it just means pretty much anything that comes through the door. Okay. He kind of dances with a little bit. And that's that's actually what drew me to there. I had a couple of job offers at, at very big law firms. Um, but I, I wanted to, I didn't think that I'd be an attorney forever, right? I didn't wow. know that that was going to be my my thing. I thought I'd move into business or, or find something medical related. Um, and the, the reality is, is that once I had started that, there was just a myriad of places that I could go. There was divorces and criminal and, and real estate law. And whatever kept coming through the door. So I got excited. Um, and then the gentleman very quickly um, at the law firm, very quickly, I found out that he couldn't continue practicing law in that manner. So I bought the firm from him within the first six months of working there. Wow. Yeah. So I bought the firm within six months of working there and um, have been doing that ever since. So we've gone from just me and him at one point, And now we're 15 attorneys, you know, uh, wow. essentially employing 30 something people. So. That's great. Well, we got your employment history. Now I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we got involved with, uh, got to know each other over lacrosse. Yep. And I think the story goes something like this, and you can tell it better than I can, is that um, your mom was always, she wanted you to perform, right? Mm-hmm. And then you said, hey, mom, no, that's not. So let's let's start there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you come, if I remember correctly, you have a a bunch of siblings like me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest of eight. Okay. So I have eight sisters and two brothers. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So I'm the youngest of eight. Um, essentially, what it comes down to is that growing up, I was a book kid. I read every single thing that I could get my hands on, built Legos, played video games, um, 
And then my mom kept putting me into this children's choir, right? Ever since I was like eight years old. And she loved so, you it. Know, I've, I've been there. I've yeah. done that. That's what I did with my mom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I make, I make the joke. I make the joke that I continued to, to sing up until like eighth grade, right? Until my mom sobered up and realized that I was a boy and had a lower voice. But for the last two years, she didn't really sober up. I just want to be clear there. But it was a... Um, the last two years of, of that, I had, was, still, was like having to mouth the words and, or kind of screech up to them because my voice had changed. And so I was now no longer the soprano that, <laughs> that the, the children's choir wanted. Um, having said that, um, yeah, I had no intention. I was in acting. I was in all those kinds of things. And then as high school got closer, I'd, I'd kind of believed what I heard off of like the Disney Channel, which is if you don't get a letter jacket, you don't get a girlfriend, right? Like wow. that, that was kind of the thought in my head. And so for some reason, I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead. Let's, let's, let's go into sports. I showed up my first day to football. Um, I showed up my first day to football and they asked me what number, I, what position I wanted to play and what number I was. And they asked for number 11 because that was the number I'd played in soccer. And they're like, oh, we got a quarterback here. And I said, okay. And I never, I didn't know what the quarterback did. I didn't you know showed up for tryouts. Guys. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. I love it. And so, um, so after about 30 seconds, they're like, oh, wait a second. You have no idea what's going on. We're going to put you on the line for now and, and we'll go. How tall is your brother? And my brothers are all in there in six feet plus and I'm five, seven with the wind blowing up. Um, and so I stood there like not knowing anything about this. Um, and yeah, they, they put me on the line. I hated every second of football. It was, it was, but I did it all three years because that was the job. I would committed to it. So that's what I was going to do. Oh, I didn't um, know you played football. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was just lacrosse, but yeah, that's great. Yeah, I played football for three years and then I wrestled for three years. So after football would end, I had one buddy that was like, just come wrestle. And I was like, okay, that's, I guess the next thing I got to do. So I went and I wrestled for three years and, um, and then I had played lacrosse the, the spring before. And this is back in Utah when it was just kind of starting out. Like yeah. we're, we're playing against kids in jean shorts and white t-shirts with their number written across the front, right? Um, or kids that don't like their sticks don't throw well or all the rest of that kind of stuff. So it was a very, it was a very wild, wild west back then of how it was coached, how it was played. People are running basketball plays, which, you know, <laughs> the, fall apart in lacrosse. It yeah. doesn't work like that. Right. So, um, yeah. And so for me, it was, it was kind of fun. I learned a lot of discipline in that. And through that was able to get through not only high school, but I was able to play even a little bit through, through college in, um, at the U in lacrosse. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, which is amazing. Cool. I mean, back in the day, that wasn't very big. No. Uh, now it's, now they're, now they're, what is it? They're division one in lacrosse. Or is oh, that yeah. what, so they're division one have a program. Even yeah. in Utah, lacrosse has gotten really big, oh, absolutely. bigger, bigger than not like the East coast, but it's bigger. No, it, absolutely. It's a, it's an incredibly fast growing sport. It has like, it's safer than like football, for example, yeah. there's less concussions that come up off of it. Um, it's really fast paced and really kind of fun to watch. I believe there's not a lot of downtime in the game, no. um, which is really exciting to do. Um, and, and I mean, the reality is, is that the sports gotten so good here in Utah and the understanding of the sports got so good. I don't, I don't know that I would have as a senior in high school, if I had make some of these, these high school teams, they're so good. Yeah. And I was, and I was good enough that I was one of the top guys, at least in, in, you know, the state, my, my senior year. So it was well, one of the things is you, you started out. Like you weren't, you were, you weren't in fifth grade or sixth grade to start out lacrosse. So you started eighth grade, but then uh, something you said to the boys as we were in like a little huddle, you said, Hey guys, it's never too late. Um, and you said, if you want to play on the field, I think you said, stand next to the coach. Yeah. Like when you started, you did, you weren't a starter. No. And, and, but tell us a little bit about that and what your mind, your mindset was and 
getting on the field with coach and sure yeah so the first year that i played was actually ninth grade okay um steven castella just kept showing up to my house and and uh after school and being like hey my mom's gonna take us to lacrosse and i didn't even know if i was signed up i just kept showing up right so um he kept showing up with me and gotta love those buddies yeah absolutely right um but i i got to play a little bit i was a d-pole at you know four nine in high school then i got to play a little bit because of how we were and again it was the wild west back then so i shared a number with another kid and the other kid was a senior um so and and one of the best defensive players in the state and so at the end of the year i actually ended up by getting some all-state honors um for my play but it was because they attributed me all the points and the ground balls and everything from that guy oh so wow. when i showed up to this like banquet that they had at the end of the year everyone was like who is this guy like and i got to stand up there with everybody everybody's you know it's six feet tall and then here's four foot nine you know, defensive second team of the year, you know, whatever it was. It was pretty awesome. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was a, um, yeah, mine is if you want to be able to play, if you want to be able to do things, you've got to be the person standing there, right? Yeah. Availability is the biggest thing. And that's kind of been the philosophy of my life, right? Is that if you're not available to say yes and do something and, and kind of insert yourself into the conversation, mm-hmm. nobody owes you anything. Nobody's going to do that for you. No. Um, and kids, I think right now we're taught a lot to, defer to the coach, defer to the people around us, kind of be calm in, and, and, and it's going to work out for us. At the youngest age, the answer is, is that no, it's not. You need to be as much, you need to insert yourself in it. Yeah, you don't need to lose your mind over everything. Yeah, when the coaches talk to you, that, but if you're not standing right next to the coach, he forgets that you exist for a little bit. That's right. Same thing with everything. Same thing, the reason that I'm here on your podcast, same thing that I'm, you know, I do um, a bunch of speaking engagements, things like that, is that unless people know that you're available and ready, Oh. they can't use you my industry is talk where your feet are yep. and i tell my boys all the time if i said hey you happy with your playtime i said yes okay great if you're not you can it's between you and the coach yep. you know how can i do better what can i do to get more playing time and sometimes that's all it takes i remember when i was a draftsman and i went to the my boss who's a project manager i said what's it going to take for me to be a superintendent and he says well i don't know six months later there was an opportunity he says i'll give you a shot I mean, it wasn't like I was groomed for it or mm-hmm. it was just that I spoke up. Yeah. And I'm not saying, does it always go your way? No, but you just have to be available. Yeah. Yeah. Just like you said, be ready. But oh, that, absolutely. Took, that took you places. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's that's one of the reasons that you were able to quickly go from, you know, thinking that you were going to be a, a doctor, right? Yeah. Spending, spending years in developing those that set of skills to now when something changed, like I was legitimately in law school six months later. Right. It's because the, the choices are you have to you have to pivot quickly. You have to be ready to go for it. And then at the end of the day, more important than knowing the direction that you're going to go in life is going is just taking steps. Right. I'd rather you fall away, fail forward all day long. Yeah. But, uh, unfortunately, what we have in this society and I, I, I preach to my kids and I preach this to the guy is that we don't have enough dragon heads on our wall. And I'll, I'll bring back the love of fantasy from my youth that, uh, up here is that when you have a real something that you've accomplished something that's great it's a dragon head you've slain the dragon take that dragon head and you mount that on the wall trophy yeah absolutely and every time that your life is not going well or you're having a struggle or you don't think that you can do something you get to look up at the dragon head the problem is is that people think that what they have to have is the biggest baddest dragon in the world and they have to know everything before they do anything absolutely so what they don't realize is that every single little lizard that you walk through the village cutting their head off. You put that lizard's head on its wall and then it becomes a bigger lizard and a little and a bigger lizard and a bigger lizard. So all of a sudden you have the opportunity for, for killing dragons. You don't, 
you don't have the opportunity to invest in big deals, to make big decisions, to, to do those kinds of things until you've proven yourself year over year over year with little tiny deals mm -hmm. in, in, in good stewardship over these smaller dragons. And then once you've done that, not only does it give you the boost of confidence to do it, but now it's just walking through the same motions. It just happens to have every single deal has another zero at the end, right? Like, and, and so my, my point behind that is, is, is truly our, our children run into that same issue. That's why I love kids sports, right? In kids sports, they have the opportunity. I, I love that my son, I, I love that my son is not the best person on the team that he's on, right? Sorry about that. And, and it, it's not, I don't care if he is the, the, you know, professional lacrosse player of the year. I don't care if he wins state championship honors. I don't care if he gets a, a state championship ring. It is, do you remember the, the, the sadness you felt when you felt left out because of X, Y, and Z? How do you make it so you don't feel that again, yeah. right? Do you remember the way that, that, that those other kids made you feel when they didn't pass you that game? Okay, how do you figure out how to involve this person? Um, I've loved the fact that, that sports to me gives that opportunity to kind of feel it in in it, it allows you to put into practice in a very small setting, only a season, yeah. a microcosm of how business is going to work for the rest of your life, how all of these things are going to work. You're going to have some guys that are stars. You're going to have some guys that are just highly more talented than you. But you've seen it and I've seen them in some of our kids where somebody all of a sudden figures out how to work. Hard work. How, hard work will surpass talent any day. And how to just, how to just spend the time a little bit more than the other person. And, and, and real time, like you said, you can catch up. I didn't play a single sport until ninth grade. Like not a, not a single one. Yeah. Um, I played, I actually was the MVP of filling soccer cones with, with grass. I was, that, I, that was me. I'd go to the corner, I'd fill it up with grass and I'd make towers. Um, I remember one year that, that I did not touch the ball on purpose an entire soccer year in like, in like sixth, uh, nah, probably fourth grade. Um, because I was a goalie and I just had three of the best guys on our team. And so they'd just take the ball every time and score, take the ball every time. Like it never came to our side of the field. And so me and Kevin Taylor would climb up onto, we're the defenders. We'd climb up onto the, the top and we'd hang upside down off of the, the thing until our coach would finally pull us. We just hated every single second of it. But even the guy that was doing all that, actively trying to destroy the game, I found that you know, you can catch up with a lot of those things because I just, uh, even like for wrestling, for example, I wrestled against kids that had been wrestling since they were six, seven years old, had yeah. been state champs, you know, all through those, those youth leagues that I was just destroying because for me, I could sit down and I could look at how their body worked and how, watch a move and be like, okay, that's how that move is supposed to work. It's leverage right there. That's the only thing that matters. And so now all of a sudden I was able to outthink and out um, and then when it, when the push came to shove, I'd outwork them. Yeah. yeah they had all the muscle memory, but I was going to work harder. I knew the move just conceptually a little bit better than you because I learned it at an older age. Mm -hmm. And so with those two things together, I'll catch you. Okay. I love wrestling because it's you against you yep. and, and it's everything has a pro and a con. So you don't want to get caught. Right. Yep. But if you get caught, there's always a way out. Yep. And it's like, it's just outwilling the other person. It's yep. like, can I hold on? in an extra 10 seconds, right? Or am I going to let him go and let him get a, two points on me or whatever, yep. or a takedown? Yep. Wow. So wonderful content and great. Thank you for being on the show today. Any last thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience? Um, and this is yours. Go ahead. Any last thoughts? Maybe a mentor? Who was a mentor? And that, that changes over the years. 
Oh, absolutely. I've got I've got a guy that I call my business bishop, who's my favorite oh. guy in the entire world. Okay. Um, my business bishop. Uh, shout out to Ralph Little. He's he's incredible. Okay. Um, he taught me entrepreneurship up at the the University of Utah, which was he's incredible. Um, but the thing that's kind of been going through my head right now is that kind of the region beta paradox, which is um, the idea that sometimes things have to be much worse in order for them to be better. Um, I also call it the diabetes paradox, which yeah. is I need to, I, I could stand to lose 30, 40 pounds, right? I'm not going to do that, right? It's, I'm going to slowly do that. I might do it. I'm going to try a little bit here. Um, but, but the, the pressure to do it might not be big enough. Um, if a doctor came to me tomorrow and said, Michael, you have eight months, you've got diabetes, you've got eight months or I'm going to take your leg, right? Ooh. And you need to lose 40 pounds. You can bet your bottom that I'm, I'm going to be the guy that loses 40 pounds here. Sometimes it's better for you to be in a worse position right now in order to be in a better position in the future. When you feel like life is just kind of, I'm fine. My boss isn't that mean. My, my relationship isn't that, that terrible. Uh, we're kind of making enough money, all the rest of that kind of stuff. Sometimes you have to manufacture some kind of crisis in, in your head, whatever that crisis might be, in order to shake you out of the things so you can find whatever is the better thing for you. Wow. It's a wonderful thing when you have a, a strong enough imagination to imagine that that crisis in order to break yourself out of those things. So if if uh, if there's the any manufacturing motivation, yeah, you're you're, manu- you're you're manufacturing on your own. Mine was forced, and that's why yeah. I'm in the career I'm in now, and Absolutely. that's why I give yeah. back and do those things. But mine was forced. I think in some cases I think it would have I would have rather had it manufactured, but I'm still grateful for it what it's done for me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's the thing that'll put you in a, in a better position every single time is that you, because it forces you to bring in all of the creativity that you might have. Creativity lives in the constraints in the, in the, in, in the, the box. box. Exactly. You can't be creative with nothing. You, you the, the, the tighter that the constraints that you have on it, the more creative you have to do, you have to be in order to resolve the problem. Um, in your situation, it may have been that, that fluctuation in mine. The same kind of thing. The crisis was is that, oh my goodness, I've spent my entire life developing the skill set to go into something that I'm never going to use, right? You know, what's really scary is I've talked to doctors, I've talked to attorneys, and they're like, if I could change it all over again, I wouldn't be doing it. Oh, but, absolutely. but they're they're fixed and they're stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a doctor, he's like, listen, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. And he's like, I don't see my kids, I don't see my family. Yes, it's a good living, but I'm so far, I'm so far down the path, 12 years in, he's like, I'm here. And he's like, if I could sell and start over, he, he would. Yeah. And I mean, it's amazing that story well, I, right here. I call it battered wife syndrome, which <laughs> is, which is you're, you're sitting in a career and you think, you know, who's going to treat me? Who's, who's going to treat me as well as this person does? You don't realize the, the, the toll that you, that's hitting you in a bunch of different ways here, but you're okay. The, the money's decent enough. Right. Yeah. And so who's going to treat me as well as this person while at the same time, you're getting slug after slug after slug. Um, and I don't mean to like make light of domestic violence or any of that kind of stuff. But what I, what I, the idea here it's an is illustration, that, yeah. yeah, it's an illustration to move yourself out of the idea of, okay, is this truly the best place for me? Is it not? And if it is, it, and if it isn't the best place for you, there's plenty of ways to do it. You manufacture some kind of crisis that it might be, and you start living within the constraints. What would your perfect world look like? What would your perfect career look like? How do you, how do you modify exactly what that is? I continue in the law here because I've got third, uh, you know, 35 employees that, that, that I, I'm helping to make sure that Christmas is still paid for, right? I also find that I'm, 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 rel- I'm, I'm actually quite talented in the area of the areas of the law that I'm in. Um, having said that, the, the opportunity to pivot is always there. And I believe that, uh, that far too often we get so sunk in the idea that 
I am a doctor and that's your hat. And so you strap on the hat and it stays there forever. No, you're a doctor today. Yeah. You know, two choices, two choices from now, they could take away your license and you're no longer a doctor. Then, then who are you? Yeah. Men, men want run with this crisis all the time where all of a sudden they feel like, uh, what, what the, what the heck am I? Right? Like I, I lost my career. I was this and now I am just Mike. Right. And, and it takes a moment for everybody to, to get that stuff back. My, my, the, where, what I preach bigger to everybody else is that you have to find other dragon heads. So the second that something happens, you, you're not, you're not Ty Brady insurance, right? Yeah. You are Ty Brady father of this many people, uh, husband of this person, um, great lacrosse coach, all the rest, no, of, those kinds of, things, all the rest of those kinds of things. And at the end of the day today, what you do is you put on your insurance hat. Yeah. But what you really do is you connect people, share with people, share their stories, enjoy being around people and make sure that people feel comfortable with you in some capacity. Like that's Ty Brady, right? Yeah. So he's not doctor. He's not an insurance guy. He's not attorney. That's just the hat. We're all playing cow. We're all playing cowboys and spacemen over here. It's just who gets to be the spaceman today. Right? I think the title of this podcast show should be is how many dragons can you slay? That's a great one. That's a great, I mean, you talk about the dragons and it's so, so many parallels to, you know, insurance and being an attorney and, and not only that, but just entrepreneurship and being that person that people can rely on. And just the outreach that we can give back. You know, the guy that was on a little bit ago, he was all about, I'm in the give back mode. He's mm-hmm. like, I know, realize the more I give back, the more I receive in return. And not only that, but you have responsibility. I don't have employees. Everyone has 1099 that's part of my brokerage. You're, you have employees, right? You can just talk about Christmas, but it's such a, you know, that helping to make sure that they have the money and the funds to fund Christmas. That's a huge responsibility. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you for being on the show. You're I welcome. know I love these. I love doing these interviews and people hearing it. It keeps growing. And it's amazing to me as I'll be in the grocery store and someone says, Hey, I listened to your podcast show about da 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 da. I'm like, I had no idea. You know, it's been three, almost three years and I'm going to keep doing it all day, every day. You know, I started out tip, tips and tricks for insurance agents. Now it's just interviewing other successful entrepreneurs. And because there's somebody listening that needs to hear your story yeah. and they need to hear that, you know, I'm going for dragons. I need dragons. How many dragons can I slay? As always, share, like, and subscribe, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ty Brady Way. As always, share, like, and subscribe. Um, Go to Instagram at ty.r.brady. And as always, love hearing from you. And let me know what you want to learn on the show or what you'd like me to bring up on the show. Thanks. You can find the Ty Brady Way on Instagram as well as Facebook. To stay connected with giveaways and Ty himself, go ahead and follow at ty.r.brady on Instagram as well as Facebook. This podcast was recorded, edited, and produced by Whitney Face Media Marketing. The theme music is an excerpt from Hot Chicken of the Woods by Isaac Joel.